I don't usually like I, I don't usually like I guess uh, to change my thought pattern I guess from what I'd been maybe thinking about but I did uh, today so I hope you'll pray for me this afternoon that uh, uh, some of the things that brother Adam said uh, stirred me up a little bit I guess to think about some things for some other things than than I was I was planning on teaching maybe what would be the last sermon today or on in a series about taking heed uh, but uh, I think I'll take a, take a look at something else this afternoon, and so y'all y'all pray for me uh, as we try to try to bring it forth. So if you look if you look in the if you look in Scripture, you'll find, uh, and I'll just turn to a place real quick uh, in the book of in the book of Mark, chapter one. It tells us there uh, that uh, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As uh, the, the Apostle Paul uh, talked about uh, in writing to the letter at Timothy uh, and to, to, to the church at Rome, even, even in the first chapter of the book of Romans, he tells the church at Rome, he says, as much as in me is in me is, he says, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. And so uh, many, many places that I could go through and just finger the scriptures, I guess, and talk about what... Uh, the fact that Jesus Christ came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. We also hear the phrase, the gospel of peace, uh, mentioned a lot of times. And so, uh, if we think about, about this, the, the, uh, when, we, when we look, I guess, at the, even the great, the great commission that was given, go therefore and teach all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them, observing whatsoever things I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you all, with you all way, even to the end of the world. So, uh, part of our part of our commission and part of the example laid out in scriptures is to preach the gospel uh, and to the uh, and to uh, teach and go forth baptizing and so forth. So, uh, if we don't know what the gospel is, though, it'd be kind of hard to teach it, wouldn't it? And, and, and really this morning, as Brother Adam was talking about the 27th chapter of the book of Matthew, it made, me, it made me just think about some things that are talked about. So what is the gospel, <laughs> right? I mean, if we don't understand that that word gospel means good news, uh, if we don't understand that, uh, that what we're to be doing is going about telling people there's a good news story for you. And it's especially good news if you find yourself, and I'm going to turn real quickly over to First uh, Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul there writing to the young, young preacher Timothy uh, mentions something, which as I read this, all of y'all will say, yes, oh, oh yes, we've heard that. Uh, he said this in verse 15 of First Timothy chapter 1, he said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now, when you see yourself through the gospel, uh, and the gospel is good news, but the gospel is more than just good news. I mean, there's a a lot of things about the good news, I guess you could say that. You know, it's a a good news story, but the good news consists of many different parts, right? And part of that good news, and it doesn't seem like good news, uh, I know as we were were thinking about it this morning, you know, you're talking about the brutal story of how Jesus Christ was taken away and beaten, and how he was falsely accused, and how he was hung on the cross, and how he how he died. You say, "Well, well, Charles, that's that sounds more like a horror story, horror movie than a, than a good news story." 
but the, but if you don't delve a little further than what than the picture of what's taking place, the brutal cruelty of what's taking place to him there on the cross, you miss the good news. And uh, and the good news is like like Paul said, Jesus Christ came into the world for a purpose, uh, and his purpose was to save sinners. Of which Paul said he was chief. I understand why Paul thought he might have been chief of sinners. Uh, if you had if you had spent the uh, early part of your life, even though it was a uh, as a Pharisee, there's 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 that group of people that we were talking about this morning as a Pharisee who, in his zeal and his desire to please God, was actually going around rounding up Christians with letters of authority from from the uh, Jewish authorities to round them up, bring them back to Jerusalem, put them on trial, and to put them to death. And Paul tells us about Acts chapter 26 or somewhere along there, and I have to go look up the chapter now, but uh, he tells us in there that those people, were, as he was recounting this story to the king, he says, they were put to death at my word. Now, part of that tells me that the apostle Paul who felt himself to be the chief of sinners. Why did he feel himself to be the chief of sinners? He went and rounded up innocent people and actually testified against them at their trial and had them put to death. Now, uh, today, uh, giving false testimony at a trial is probably no big deal, uh, but uh, Paul took it very seriously, right? He took it as being something serious. He felt the guilt within him, which tells you something about his heart, what God had worked within him, that he had felt guilty about what he had done, and that uh, as he had given his testimony, Paul felt like he was the chief of sinners, yet Paul also would testify that God had taken this chief of sinners and called him to preach the gospel, uh, and that uh, he was to go forth and spread the good news of Jesus Christ uh, throughout that countryside. So as we as we come here today... Uh, Part of what the gospel message or the, the preachings and teachings of God's word is, as we go and we look at the law, as we go and look at the, the scripture itself, we look and see ourselves, I trust you do, we see ourselves as guilty. We stand here this afternoon and say, you know what, if I'm, if I'm in the court of law of God and he says, uh, Charles, uh, I got a question for you. Did you ever tell anybody something that wasn't true? Well, yeah, Lord, I've done it. I didn't. I hadn't always told the exact truth like I should should have. He's a sinner, brother Charles. Have you ever thought any ill of other people and so forth and so on that you shouldn't have? Yep, sure have. <clears throat> Guilty sinner. And I'll tell you, when we stand before the justice of God, my friends, we can all say we're just sinners, uh, and that uh, that we're guilty. Uh, and that if it, if there wasn't something to deliver us uh, from that guilt and from the from the penalty of that guilt, and and the part of the gospel part of the gospel message for you today is to not only tell you uh, uh, that you're a sinner, but to also tell you you've been delivered from your sins, and also to give you hope that you can walk and live in this life without being depressed all the time about the fact you're a sinner, uh, because we're to rise above the fact that hey, I'm guilty. I've, I've done it. I've, I've committed it. I've, I've said things, done things, thought things. Uh, I've, my human flesh has come out many times when I surely wished it hadn't. Uh, and uh, and uh, as I was looking last, uh, what I thought I was going to be preaching about today, you know, the, uh, uh, the, uh, 
The, the Bible tells us, Paul, uh, Paul tells us in First Corinthians, uh, not First Corinthians, in Galatians chapter 5, he tells us there uh, that the, the spirit and the flesh are contrary one to another. In other words, they don't work together. <laughs> but we have the flesh and the spirit together in one body here, being born of the spirit of God, and they're fighting each other all the time. And so the guilt that we feel as sinners because of our, our flesh nature, what we've done, what we've said, what we've committed, uh, we need to know somehow or some way uh, that there, there's, a, there's a way for us to overcome that, and that's the good news of the gospel because Jesus Christ came to save sinners. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, uh, my friends, to overcome our sins and to die for us. I thought about uh, his brother, several things again this morning. Brother Adam was talking about uh, that, uh, that, uh, that shedding of innocent blood. And the Bible tells us what? That the life is in the blood. And his, really, you know, one of those little things that you think about sometimes, uh, and, and he was talking about the voice crying out from the earth because of the blood. And I think of the life is in the blood. <laughs> the life is in, and the blood is crying out. Why? Because that's where the real life is at, my friends. It cries out from the ground and says, uh, uh, I've been killed, I've been slain. That innocent blood cries out to God. And, uh, and Pilate tried to wash his hands. <laughs> You know, you know, Pilate, the Bible, uh, I don't know if the Bible tells this or just some of your study at different times. Pilate was an Edomite. Pilate was a, was a descendant of Esau. He probably knew something about the traditions of the Jews. <laughs> he, he, he might not have got it just right. He might not have gone and, uh, and, and killed, a, uh, killed a bull and tried to wash his hands and so forth. But he, he needed to wash his hands of innocent blood. Uh, he, wanted, he wanted it off of him. He knew something in there along those lines, even if he was a vile, a vile man himself. So uh, he tells us here that thinking about this, this news, let's turn now. It's 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, and I'll give my apologies to Brother Adam because I know sometimes he hates the way this has been couched at different times, but I trust I could couch it correctly today uh, as we try to talk about some of this here because if we want to know about the gospel, there's the, what is the heart of the gospel? Or there's something, maybe I should put it another way. If we don't talk about some of the things that are laid out here in 1 Corinthians 15, there is no good news. There is no good news. Uh, and that might not be what the total gospel is. I think that's where he's had some conflict before. Say, you know, that's being cast like, this is the gospel. Well, there's more to the gospel than just this. But without this, there is no gospel. That's, that's the way I would say it. So he tells us here in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Well, you go back above that. Let all things be done decently in order. Great, that's what it ought to be done like uh, among us here in the church is doing things together. And decently. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. There's a benefit to God's children to hearing, believing, and continuing to believe and retaining. What you believe about the gospel, there's a benefit for you. There's a lifelong benefit for you in, in believing the gospel. Uh, if nothing else, if we think about the fact today that this gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ who came to save sinners, that's us. Uh, that good news tells me he accomplished what he came to do. 
He didn't just, you know, be one thing and say, well, Jesus Christ came to save sinners of whom I'm chief. I sure wished he had gotten the job done. No, he got the job done, okay? And so uh, there, knowing he, he, he did what the Father sent him to do and what he came to do himself, knowing that uh, gives, lifts a burden off of you and me and should lift a burden of, of guilt. It doesn't mean, as, as, as we've said before, it doesn't mean uh, it's a do-nothing, okay? But it lifts a burden off of you. It, it lifts a guilt off your heart and your mind and it enables you to press forward because, you know, Jesus Christ came to save you and he did it. And he accomplished it. The Bible says he, uh, he saved those that the Father gave to him without the loss of a single one. That's, is that good news to you? Uh, do, you feel, do you feel like, one, you're a sinner? Right? You feel, do you feel like now that uh, Jesus Christ also came and died for you? I'm telling you, if you feel like he came and died for you, it's an evidence that Christ has placed something within your heart uh, uh, called the new, the Spirit of God through the new birth. And because of that, you hear this gospel message. You know you're a sinner, but you also know you've been saved by him. Now, and all that gives, that helps us to not live such a depressed life. I've talked about many times uh, in times like, uh, what we what we witnessed last night. I I was telling somebody else this this uh, this morning. Uh, going going around and, and uh, speaking to the Lee family last night up here at the at the funeral home, and uh, I told I told Todd Lee. I said, Todd, I am so sorry to hear about your mother. And at the time, I didn't even really know how sudden it was. Uh, I mean, she had been uh, she'd been fine two weeks ago, gone to Disney World with the family. Gets the flu, something turns into pneumonia, and she's dead. I mean, and they're sitting here thinking about two weeks ago, we were enjoying a good time with our mother. And, uh, and I told him, I said, I am so sorry to hear about this. And he looks at me and he says, he says, Charles, he said, sorry not as those that have no hope. I said, amen. <laughs> uh, he says, I'm going to see her again. Now, there's the hope of the gospel. That's the hope of this good news gospel story that this life that we live right here is not all that there is. Uh, and that there's a life because of the life of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God being placed in us through the new birth and of Him purchasing us both body, spirit, and soul when He died for us and purchased us on the cross. Because of that, you and I can can face some of the trials and troubles and death that we, uh, that we face in this old world knowing that this world never was our home to start with uh, and that we're like the children of Israel in the, in the wilderness. We're just sojourners in a land that's not on a, on a, on a journey to a land uh, uh, that God's going to give us. So he tells us here, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you and which also you received and wherein you stand. You know, it's important. You know, uh, boy, we could go into a whole dis- dissertation about this, right? But when you look at all the trouble that Paul has talked about <laughs> in this First Corinthian letter, uh, as Brother Adam mentioned this morning, you know you've got a you've got a man who was uh, who was having sexual relationships with his stepmother. Uh, that Paul's having to write to the church here at Corinth. You had people that were following the preachers instead of Jesus Christ. You had all of this going on. Paul's having to remind them, uh, you know, uh, such were some of you uh, in the times past. Uh, he's having to remind they're They're getting drunk at communion. All these things are going on. 
And Paul then writes this, this letter to the, this letter here in the 15th chapter. He says, uh, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel I preached unto you, which ye have received, and wherein ye stand. You're standing at least in a portion of the gospel. Doesn't mean you're staying free from sin. Doesn't mean you're free from sinful thoughts. But you're standing in the good news of Jesus Christ and still meeting together and believing in Him. And he says, And by which also you're saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Okay, so Paul then says, Here's what I delivered. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I... I also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Christ died for our sins. <laughs> uh, he died for our sins. Uh, you know, it's important for us to keep in mind Jesus Christ didn't just die uh, for no reason. He wasn't just taken captive for no reason. He wasn't just beaten for no... He didn't just shed his blood for no reason. He came to die for our sins and and overcome them and, and overcome that penalty that was owed. I thought about as Brother Adam was talking this morning again. You know, I told you he stirred my mind up about a lot of things. And so uh, if I say that, I hope that doesn't distract you from here uh, this afternoon. But I, I was thinking, uh, not only uh, did, did the, uh, the, the... Talk about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Not only did would they not accept the money back because they said it would have been blood money, you know, accept it back in the temple. I thought, you know, now you're talking about a hypocrite. Who was it paid Judas to go and round him up? Where did they get the money? They probably got it from the temple. And the t- so, so they paid blood money to go round the guy up, but they wouldn't take blood money back because it would defile the temple. Now, that, you talk about the super hypocrite. That's a super hypocrite right there, okay? Uh, but he, he tells us here, uh, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Well, it was foretold that he was going to come and die for our sins. And so uh, now he's come and done that. And he says, for he was... Uh, for he, and that he was buried. First of all, he came, he died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. That he was buried, that he rose again on the third day, according to the Scriptures. You know, it would be one thing to say Jesus Christ came and he died for our sins. You say, well, it's hallelujah. He came and died for our sins. But you know what? The, the Bible tells us one of the greatest enemies we face besides the fact we're sinners which would hinder us from being in the presence of God one of these days is having this old sin nature uh, but even great but even more so if we think along with that uh, is the fact that the greatest enemy you and I are facing out there in the future all of us one of the greatest besides the, de- the devil in this world the flesh that we live with and the fact that death is lying us straight out there in front of us somewhere oh uh, now, for a lot of these young folks here, they don't they don't think about all that much too much. Uh, I have to say, thirty years ago, I probably didn't think about it that much. Uh, but statistically speaking, I can look at the, I can look at the obituaries these days and say death's getting pretty close. Uh, and so, uh, for me, it's 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 more of a reality than it ever than it ever has been that that death is on the way. Uh, it's not far in the future, probably, relatively compared to the past, okay? And, and I can sit around and say, worry about all that. You know, I, as I've said before to other, other people, you know, death doesn't bother me. 
Now, how I'm, how I'm going to get there might bother me a little bit more because I don't know what all that's going to involve, what kind of condition I'm going to be. Pray my mind doesn't get gone, you know, so that I'm acting plum goofy and doing things that I, that I would certainly forget, I mean, uh, regret. Yeah, it'd be, it, it, you know, just terrible, terrible thoughts to think like that. But I don't know. See, I don't know what it's, what it's going to be. But he says, uh, the, script, the Bible tells us that he came, that he died for our sins, that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas and then of the Twelve. So part of the gospel message is Jesus Christ came and died for sinners and he stayed in the grave three days, but he rose again. And he didn't just rise again as a spirit. He rose again in a body. And uh, and that body of his was so fantastic. Uh, it could go through a wall. It could it, He could appear in a room, but he wasn't a ghost or an apparition. He was a real man who was sitting on the side of the sea. And when he called uh, Peter from the to come uh, to the shore, uh, and Peter jumped out of the boat, uh, not having any clothes on out there fishing, uh, and he came to the shore, uh, and uh, Jesus already had fish prepared for him. They sit there and ate fish together. That was a real man. He bodily, he, he bodily rose. He didn't just some apparition that appeared out there. He arose. He overcame death. And for you and me, that tells us he overcame death so that you and I'll overcome death. That is the, one of the heart of the gospel message for you and me today is to say death does not, cannot hold me. And one of these days, even though I lay this body down, I'll go to be with my Savior Upon my death, my spirit will return to the one that gave it. Uh, and the old body will lay there in the ground. Uh, and the, and the, as Job says, the old dust worms will, will eat it up, whatever comes of it. Uh, but one of these days, Jesus Christ, just like, uh, just like that uh, dust in the garden when God took the dust of the earth and formed a man out of it and breathed into it the breath of life and it became a living soul, one of these days the, Jesus Christ is going to come back again in the clouds and the, the dust of our old bodies is going to be raised up and going to be made into a perfect body like his. Now, there's a gospel story in that. It, well, let me put it this way. Is that good news to you? To know that, uh, and, and if it's good news, I'm going to tell you it's part of the gospel uh, here this afternoon. Because the gospel is good news to sinners. And good news to sinners is that I've been saved from my sins. And the death's not going to hold me. And that one of these days I'm going to be uh, with the one that loves me and adores me from all eternity. That's, now that's the gospel story for us here this afternoon. And that's the message that we're to go and share with others. We're to go share with others that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And, are, and if they're a sinner, uh, I'm going to say, you know, I, I think we could say it like this. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And I'm not, to, I'm, not to, I'm not up here determining which sinners he died for. I'm just to go preach the gospel, okay? And give good news to the weary souls. And uh, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people out here that are not weary with their sins, okay? Uh, but to the weary soul, the one that's wearied by his sin, that's concerned about the life he's living, I'm going to tell you the fact that Jesus Christ came and delivered you 
rescue from that and the, from the eternal punishment. That's, I guess that's the other piece of it. Because if, uh, if he didn't come and deliver us from that, uh, our eternal destination is nothing more than, than hell, my friends, where the Bible says you'll burn forever. But if he delivered me from that by his death and he proved that he conquered death because he rose again on the third day. And we know that he rose on the third day because the Bible goes on to tell us that he was seen of Cephas. That's Peter. <laughs> Peter saw him. And then the twelve saw him. Uh, and after, after that, he was seen of about 500 brethren at once, of whom uh, Paul says the greater part remain under the present time. Some are fallen asleep. In other words, some of the witnesses have died in the meantime. But he says, 500 witnesses at once saw him. And he says, after that, he was seen of James. <clears throat> and then of all the apostles. And last of all, he says, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. Paul says, I saw him too. I saw him on the road to Damascus. He appeared to me on the road to Damascus. Uh, and then, uh, uh, and then as, as Paul went down and uh, uh, fled to Arabia, I believe down probably to Mount Sinai down there because he knew he had seen something uh, unlike anything he'd ever seen. And he, he fl- uh, fled down there. And Galatians records for us that he spent three years alone communing with God. How many times did Jesus Christ appear to him there? and talk to him and tell him. I, you know, to me, I think there's many times probably, if you think about the time that Jesus spent here on earth preaching his, teaching his apostles, I don't have any doubt really that he appeared to Paul during some of that three and a half year, that three years he was in the wilderness and taught him the same things he had taught the other apostles. And he probably took the scriptures and told Paul every place in the Old Testament that's about him, he showed it to him. And Paul being a raised and trained as a Pharisee, boy, it was just clicking. That's how you get a book like the book of Hebrews. <laughs> That's how you get a book like Hebrews is because Jesus Christ revealed himself to Paul and then Paul wrote it down and wrote a letter to his brethren there to, to tell him about these things. But the good news of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to skip across a bunch of stuff here in this 1 Corinthians 15 letter because I'm not going to stand up here uh, the whole afternoon. And, uh, you know, so anyway, that's another story. But anyway, here in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, after he tells us then, he says, uh, talking about our flesh, uh, and maybe I'll just do that. He says, <clears throat> and then, boy, there's, there's stuff I'm skipping in here. So I'll love to have to come back to this sometime. Uh, he says, verse 37 is where I'm going to dive into. But he says, that which thou sowest, thou sowest not the body that shall be, but bare grain that it may chance of wheat or of some other grain. So uh, let's, go back to a, let's go back to a story in about the 12th chapter of the book of John. And we have some men there that came to the apostles by night. And they were, they were men that were searching. And they said, sirs, we would see Jesus. And so... Philip went and took them there. They found him. Philip came and took them to one of the others. And they came and they brought him to Jesus. And again, the question was still there. Sirs, we would see Jesus. They wanted to see Jesus. And now Jesus was standing right in front of them. And Jesus gives this message. Except a corn of wheat fall to the ground, it dieth and bideth it alone. But if it fall to the ground and, and, and die, it brings forth much fruit. <clears throat> that was his message to the men that would see Jesus. Well, he just showed them Jesus. He talked about a single corn of wheat falling to the ground and dying 
and bringing, in other words, going into the ground and being springing back up. And when it springs back up, it brings forth much fruit. But that which springs up from that little grain of wheat looks nothing like the grain of wheat. It's totally different, but it came from it. And you say, I see a picture, my friends, of, of this glorified bodies that we're going to have one of these days because that this old dirty body, this old sinful body is going to fall to the ground. It's going to die. And when it springs forth, it's going to look totally different. Jesus Christ died and fell to the ground, but he brought when he came rose again, he brought forth much fruit. He says, that which sowest, thou sowest not the body that shall be, but bare grain uh, <clears throat> that... It may be a chance of wheat or some other grain. But God giveth it a body that has pleased him to every seed his own body. And the flesh is not the same. And all flesh is not the same flesh. But there's one kind of flesh of men, another kind of flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. He says there are also celestial bodies. Bodies, bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Think of all the things that God has made and how different they are. I mean, we stand at, we stand at night and we graze up at the celestial bodies and then we get to, because of our modern day telescopes, we get to see uh, a beautiful place like, like Jupiter or a place like, uh, like uh, Saturn or some other star system out there somewhere. And you say, man, all of those things and none of them look exactly like the earth. They're all different. But they're all got a glorious body made by God himself. We go out, to, we get to, in our neighborhood, we get to see the deer wandering through the yard. There was two there for, last night as we came back in from the funeral home. Uh, my wife says, did you see the deer? And I'm like, no, I'm watching the driveway. And <laughs> Well, there's, there's deer over here. So I look over, sure enough, these little guys and... You know, the car coming up didn't scare them a bit. They just kept right on, you know, trying to get the acorn or whatever they were trying to get out of that dirt there in the ground. Kept right. Totally different kind of flesh from what you and I have. Yet God made it. We look at the birds that fly around and everything else. Totally different, but God made them. God made all these things. And he says, uh, there's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also in the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. <clears throat> think, of, think of these old bodies now like a seed, right? It's sown down in corruption. That's what he's saying. Why? It's corrupted because it's sinful. And he says, uh, it's, uh, it's sown in, uh, all right, in resurrection, verse 42. It also, also in the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. Boy, I'm telling you, you get a, you talk, I want to, I want to tell you to get, uh, or maybe I'm just emphasizing this to you. Is that not good news? Is it not good news to know that this old corrupt body that's dying, that's wilting away, that you and I currently have, that's going to die and fall in the ground, and the reason it's going to die and fall in the ground is because it's sinful. The curse that was placed on us in the garden because of Adam's transgression is the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die, or the dying process is going to begin. He says, and now your body is going to die because there's sin in those bodies. And he says, it's sown in corruption, it's raised it in corruption. It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. Not by your and my power, but by his power. 
It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. If you and I didn't, if, if without scriptures, we might have some kind of fairy tale idea of all this stuff. But the scripture tells it to us plain. He says, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. And the last man, Adam, was made a quickening spirit. Uh, so you and I have the first man that we're of the flesh. We're the first man, Adam, the second man, Adam, that spirit, which comes from above is a spiritual birth that's placed within us. Uh, we can also apply that, I think to the first Adam and the second Adam, which is Jesus, which is Adam in the garden and Jesus Christ. Uh, and he tells us uh, that the first man, Adam, uh, the first man, Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. How be it was that, Howbeit, that was not the first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterwards that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy, and the second man is the Lord from heaven. So our second man, there's a whole lesson in this, by the way. Uh, you know, so if you want to think about this, I'll, I'll toss this out to you. I've probably said this before. Uh, but if you think about some of the examples that we find in the Scripture, a lot of times we think, well, the inheritance goes to the firstborn. Eh, might want to rethink that. Uh, who was Abraham's firstborn? Ishmael, right? Where did the inheritance go to? Isaac. <laughs> Isaac, was the, Isaac was the firstborn of his wife, Sarah, but it was his second child, right? Uh, inheritance went to the secondborn. Had, uh, uh, Isaac had two boys, uh, uh, Jacob and Esau. Uh, Esau was the firstborn, first to come forth from the womb. Uh, the inheritance went to Jacob, the secondborn. You find this laid out throughout all the scriptures. Uh, uh, we can go down and look at Jacob's 12 sons. Uh, uh, Judah was not the firstborn, but he was the one that was chosen to have the lineage of Christ. Uh, uh, we can go and see that Joseph was the one that was blessed to the family. Uh, firstborn of, uh, of Rachel but not the firstborn of Jacob. And so you go on and on and on again how the second one or so forth is blessed. Well, the scripture, lay, that, that whole pattern's been laid out from the beginning. Adam, Adam in the garden was the firstborn. Jesus Christ was the second Adam. He's the blessed one, right? And he's the one that blesses us. So he says, the first man is of the earth earthy. Our first man that was born into this old world, this flesh that you and I occupy, the firstborn, it was the, of the earth earthy. But the second born is, is from the heavenly. It's from heaven above. Jesus Christ, the spirit that bears in us. And he says, the first man is the earth earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As the as is the earthy, such are also are that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now I say, <coughs> now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. There's a whole lesson in all this, back in behind all this. I spent how many weeks talking to y'all about the kingdom back earlier this year? The kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. God, the Bible also tells us in the book of John that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Y'all have heard that from ages after ages after ages. Uh, that God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, what I think that's trying to tell us is there's a part of you, this second man, the second Adam that's within you, the spirit of God which comes from above. When you and I really get into worship here, 
It's not the flesh that's worshiping. It's the very inner man that's down inside of us that's, that's made to feel the presence of God, that's made to feel the story of God, that's made to feel that our old flesh, that we're just sinners, uh, uh, but by the grace of God we've been delivered from this old, this old sinful flesh uh, because the incorruptible, uh, this corruption shall put on incorruptible. This dishonorable must put on the honorable and so forth and so on. He says, now I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. I I don't I also don't think I, I think there's a picture of inheriting the kingdom that's above but I also think there's a picture of the inheritance that we have right here in this old world uh, the things of the joys of the kingdom of God that we have here this spiritual kingdom that's God's left ours the natural man is not the one that enjoys that inheritance it's the spiritual man and so when we come here on a on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or a Sunday afternoon Part of what we should do is do our best to take the old natural man, the old carnal man, the old fleshly man. We need to take him and just turn him off a minute. And we need to think about spiritual things. We need to think about our God who is spiritually and how he loves us. Now, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We're not all going to die. That's what he said. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the crinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. I, I like I I, I pound I pound the uh, the pulpit a little bit just to say you know I like to emphasize what the Word of God emphasizes. We shall be changed. We're not just going to maybe change. God's going to change us. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. There is a picture of the good news that death is going to be swallowed up in victory. Uh, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. That's what, you know, have you ever, uh, the sting of the wasp is a sore place on wherever the, the wasp got you, right? Well, the sting of sin is death. It's going to get you. Uh, and because we're sinners, death's going to get us. <laughs> but he says, oh, grave, where is that victory? The strength of, of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. In other words, the law is what condemns us. God's law says you're guilty. <laughs> uh, but he says, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the gospel message. That's the good news. That's the story that, that sin do, doesn't defeat us. I, I thought about this, and, and I know Brother Adam, again, he mentioned this morning, you know, that the, the, the big picture that we need to get in there in that 27th chapter is the fact that, that we as sinners, just like they were sinners, they rejected the Son of God. They rejected Him. They said, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. But I also want to point out, and I know, again, that's, that's the big picture, right? Let's look in behind the picture for just a minute. Let's, let's, look at, let's look in there behind it a minute and say, right in there with that picture of rejection. That's you and me, by the way. I hear, you know, I love this, the song that we sing, you know. I hear my voice. 
I hear my voice calling out, rejecting him. Just like those people rejected him. Would I have been any better in that day? Probably not. But but woven in behind that picture, behind that rejection that they gave, we we have that picture there of the salvation being by the grace of God. Because right in behind that picture, we have the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, the sinless one, being put to death. While Barabbas, son of the Father, Jesus Christ, son of the Father, Barabbas, son of the Father. We have the seditionous, greedy, murdering, killer Barabbas being set free. While the innocent, sinless one went to death. That is the, that's the gospel message right there again. God is so smart. He put it in there, weaved it in there, that you and I, the guilty ones, had been set free while the innocent one went to the cross. Right in there with that horrible picture of him being beaten and crucified and carried away. That is the gospel story. That's what you and I can rejoice in today. That's the good news. It doesn't mean that you and I aren't to fix. Okay, so, yeah, okay, let me wrap up with this. I'll not, go in, I'll not go into this. I'll just start. So if that's the gospel message, if that's the good news, now then the question begs to be asked, what are you doing with it? If Jesus Christ died for you, Have you confessed publicly that you love him? And I'm looking at a congregation that by and large has. uh, But have you confessed publicly that you love him? Have you taken up your cross and followed after him? Are you going about sharing what good things God has done for you? Are you telling others about the the message of this good story that's laid out in scriptures? And are you living the kind of life that says, you know what, I am so thankful that I had an elder brother that gave his life for me. That's, that's the ultimate gospel story then is, what are you doing with it? It's good to know about it, but, uh, but knowing about it, what are you doing about it? How are you living because of what he's done for you? That is where the preaching and teaching of the gospel then begins to hit the road. May God bless you this week. I want you to think about the good news, but I also want you to think about what have I done with it. And if you tie that together with last Sunday's message, uh, you'll think about how is it going to change me between now and the end of the year so that I'm actually doing better than I was at the beginning. May God bless you is our prayer.